0: Hello everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We are happy to have you tonight. It's uh, Wednesday, August 23rd, 2017, rounding out the month of August. We hope that you've had a great week so far. I think all of us have. I think we pretty geeked out already starting Monday with the eclipse and now uh, with the potential tropics uh, going on. It has uh, been a very busy week for us all, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about both of those tonight. So before we do that, this is a live broadcast, so if you uh, are watching tonight and you have any questions, uh, please feel free to uh, send them our way via Twitter or Facebook, uh, Live or Periscope or all the other platforms that we're on. Uh, We'll be sure to uh, be monitoring those and answer them um, as they come in. And if you're listening on the rebroadcast, well, I don't think we have any guests tonight, so you know how to get in touch with us on Twitter, so you can do that as well. So,
1: If you're listening uh, on the rebroadcast, where are you? We missed you!
0: That's right, we did. Uh, let's uh, start, uh, I guess we'll talk about locally what's been going on the last day or so. Um, I know it was pretty active in the Charlotte area today, so I'll bring in James Briarton, who uh, lives uh, in the Queen City. James, you guys had a little bit of uh, severe thunderstorm action we-
1: today. We did, Scotty. Uh, Very briefly, if you blinked, there was a severe thunderstorm, and then if you blinked again, it was gone. We did have a nice uh, thunderstorm that did roll through uh, the southern part of our region. Uh, Put on a brief light show, but I don't recall seeing any reports of uh, any sort of uh, serious damage or anything, but uh, we are watching right now. Uh, A couple other storms that are across uh, the North Carolina and South Carolina area. We have a cold front that's moving through, by the way. And uh, if we can go ahead and pin up, uh, there it is. uh, Lovely for you on the screen. Uh, This is the uh, Storm Watch Plus app, and uh, we are taking a look right now. We do have a severe thunderstorm warning. Uh, We do have a line of storms right now. Uh, This is over uh, just outside of Lumberton. Uh, And making its way towards Wilmington. So Elizabeth Town, uh, Whiteville. Uh, We have just essentially crossed that 95 corridor. So heads up, uh, Myrtle Beach uh, and Wilmington and uh, everyone living along the coast there. Uh, This is coming your way here in the the next little bit. Uh, We also have, as I make my way further north um, towards the Greenville area, we also have a flash flood warning uh, just outside the Greenville area. So uh, just a heads up. Uh, As this makes its way towards the coast, uh, if you are living uh, along the eastern part of the Carolinas along the coast, uh, it's your time for those nighttime thunderstorms, so uh, do be careful. Matter of fact, uh, just a brief reminder. What a severe thunderstorm warning means. Uh, it means that uh, we are watching for 60 mile per hour wind gust in quarter size hail. So, of course, uh, minor hail damage to vehicles is possible, except wind damage, maybe a few trees and a few power lines down, uh, depending on the exact strength of this storm as it makes its way towards the coast. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it, Scotty. But there you can see it right there on the Stormwatch Plus app, which uh, if you had downloaded and you lived in that area and you had it uh, enabled to alert you, it would certainly do that. Isn't that right, uh, Eric?
2: Yes, it absolutely is. Uh, If you don't have that app yet, you need to go ahead and get it. Free download to get the uh, information there that James is showing to you. And then you can get your uh, severe weather alerts. You can get tropical alerts. Uh, We might have a discussion about that tonight. Um, But you can get tropical alerts off of there, severe thunderstorms, flash floods, all that good stuff uh, for your specific location. So make sure that you download that and use the promo code Carolina. um, And that will help us out too. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, and. As we are uh, talking about that cold front, we'll have something to do with the tropics. We'll talk about about that in just a little bit. But that cold front, not only advancing through eastern North Carolina and the northeastern part of South Carolina, but also the Charleston area. Let's bring in Jared Smith, who is uh, in Charleston tonight. I will say Shay Gibson is out of town, so uh, Jared's kind of pitching for Shay tonight, uh, giving us the scoop on what's going on in Charleston. Jared, what's uh, going on down there in the low country?
3: It's hot. <laughs> Still, hot and humid, but so it goes. Got a thunderstorm rolling through right now. Let me, um, let me. Uh, if you guys don't mind, I might share my screen real quick. Let me do that. Got a thunderstorm rolling through just north of here. Um, I'm in the West Ashley part of town. Here's uh, Ridgeville and Muck's Corner and Goose Creek, and this guy's uh, moving east northeast. Got some nice uh, tops with it. So, what was cool was that it was uh, casting some really neat shadows this evening, some cool crepuscular rays. I can never say that right. And uh, good uh, viewing along the beaches, and uh, uh, yet another good rain for the folks in Dorchester and Berkeley counties where they got absolutely no eclipse whatsoever. <sighs> so it goes. Feel bad for them. Um, but, uh, you know, just uh, more heat and humidity. Looking forward to uh, getting a little frontal action later this week and uh, starting to bring those temperatures down. Although, it'll be interesting along the coast to see what happens. Uh, you know, we have a couple models trying to spin something up out there. Um, and uh, that'll help reinforce a northeast wedge. And uh, cool us off quite nicely, get those dew points down back to tolerable levels. And uh, But we'll, we'll just see how that goes. Model system, you know, models this far out still, eh. All right. All right. Thanks, Jared.
0: Um, I want to toss it to Eric and then I'll bring it to Ricky. So Ricky uh, uh, was one of our uh, guys. He was actually on the road to cover the eclipse. We'll talk about that first. So before we get to Ricky, let's toss it to Eric. And Eric, you guys already had this cold front move through. How's uh, the weather been treated you guys today?
2: It is beautiful. We're so thankful that we had that cold front come through yesterday. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and share. I'm going to. We're going to geek out here for just a minute with Service plot. Um, and uh, if you look down to our south, there's uh, upper 80s to 90 and dew points in the mid 70s. Uh, that was our air mass yesterday. Heat index was up around 103, 104. The last couple of days, we promised a big cold front. It came through last night. Uh, some folks got some rain. I didn't get anything here. To kind of was just scattered along the front until it got down in North Mississippi. And then, uh, uh, filled in a little bit, uh, folks down there got a little bit more rain, but you'll notice behind this front, all of the wind barbs coming out of the North loving that this time of year. And the dew point, the top of the hour here in Memphis is down to 63. I see a bunch of fifties up to our North. Uh, looks like we are going to stay at least until something from the South comes in and we'll, uh, we'll be watching closely what's going on down to the South, uh, with, uh, with Harvey. But, uh, for the next few days, beautiful weather here in memphis mid 80s for highs 85 today uh looks like a fair amount of sunshine and uh, dew points maybe in the upper 50s we'll get some cool mornings really been looking forward to this and looking at the uh looking at the long range 6 to 10 and 8 to 14 day outlooks from cpc uh we've been sitting in blue for the early part of september too so i'm uh, really liking what's coming forward we may not have to talk about the heat index again this summer and i'd just be so thankful for that
0: all right eric um Thank you for that report. And uh, sending that uh, cold front to the east, uh, Ricky Matthews, who was in the Bristol, Tennessee area tonight. Ricky, you guys as well had the cold front move through. Uh, so how's things up in the uh, eastern
4: Tennessee area? Pretty refreshing tonight. I took uh, Forrest out for a walk mm-hmm. earlier, and we uh, it, it was a nice evening. Temperature's still like in the upper 70s, low 80s, but low humidity. That was the uh, nice thing, Scotty. Even though it was uh, very, very hot on Monday. We kind of wish that front had come through a little bit earlier
0: yeah it was extremely hot um i think at one time the heat index was close to 100 for a lot of locations uh, in the path of totality so uh let's go ahead and talk about the eclipse you was uh heading out of the bristol tennessee area to go to i think it was athens tennessee you're in the path of totality so um how was it for you i know for uh all of us in our little chat we were just kind of geeking out this week Uh, Tell us about the experience there in uh, Athens, Tennessee. Yeah,
4: it was a really cool experience. Uh, We drove down Sunday night, uh, got to Athens around 1230 in the morning after a little mishap with uh, some vehicle issues. Um, So that was part one of the fun. Uh, Anyway, we got up uh, Monday morning and went over to uh, McMinn County Central High School, uh, located between Etowah and Englewood, two small communities in McMinn County. Uh, Put on our Eclipse classes just like James there and had a lot of fun viewing the eclipse. We got to talk to some people. They had people there from all across the country, uh, people from England, people from France, people from uh, Germany. One of the students there was from uh, Brazil. So, I mean, it really was almost a worldwide event. And I see our entire panel has found their eclipse glasses. Now, this is going well. Um, those things are collector's items too. Like if you save those till 2024, I hear you can make like $50 off them. Um, but anyway, we'll get to that later. So it, it was really just a cool experience. It's hard to describe what it's like, but the coolest thing, Scotty, was probably when we took off our glasses after watching the last little bit of sun disappear and hearing my co-inkers reaction, uh, and hearing, you know, and for me seeing the darkness, being in darkness, um, at two o'clock in the afternoon.
0: It was, it was really crazy um, I was just uh, to your east maybe about a hundred miles or so uh, in the upstate of South Carolina near Pickin. so I think uh, we are almost kind of time wise uh, maybe just a minute or two after you and like you said it was uh, it was no nothing I've ever experienced uh, seeing us go from sunny conditions to complete darkness for a little over two minutes and then ride back to uh, the sunshine it was uh, it's crazy. I've never experienced anything like that, and, uh, and I think it'll be uh, well uh, into my welded into my memory from from here on out. It was just a crazy experience, and uh, I know James. You guys in Charlotte, not totally in totality, but about ninety nine percent. How was your experience there uh, in the Queen City?
1: Uh, That is uh, absolutely uh, correct, uh, Scotty. We didn't have full totality, which meant uh, you did absolutely need these glasses at all times. Uh, I drove just across the border to Indian land and watched it there. So we had about 98% uh, totality, just enough to get the uh, streetlights to come on as things got dark there at about 241. Um, And so I would describe it this way for anybody that didn't get a chance to see it. It certainly was like a weird sunset in the middle of the day. But what I noticed before we lost some of the lighting and it got a little bit dimmer out was more so that everything kind of got a weird yellowish tint to it, just kind of like a sunset would. Uh, but I will, I will note this. Uh, we had 1%, 2% sun. It is amazing how much light you get from only 1% or 2% sun because we never had complete darkness again it was just kind of like a sunset maybe next time i will uh drive the uh, extra little bit uh and and get the full totality i think uh my guests and i who uh as you may have saw on our facebook page they had driven all the way from pennsylvania so the idea of driving two more hours into gridlock traffic in columbia was certainly uh not the most fun sounding thing but uh you know I will say um, I think there was less catastrophic traffic than uh, everyone feared. So maybe next time we will drive directly into the path and get the full show. Scotty?
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the, maybe the effects of traffic and the weather here in just a second. I want to get everybody's perspective first. Uh, Jared, you was in Charleston. You were the last, uh, I guess, city to see the uh, totality before it moved out into Atlantic Ocean. And you guys were also dealing with uh, some thunderstorm action.
3: Oh, we were. And you know, first thing is, if my parents are watching, I'm sorry. Um, I feel so bad for them. They are in Goose Creek. They're about 15 miles northeast of me. And uh, they got a thunderstorm the entire time. In fact, we had a station record over four inches of rain in a little over an hour uh, in Goose Creek. Uh, A little debris convergence and then then stalled frontal system just interacting, just making things miserable there. So, people in Somerville and Goose Creek in those areas, they don't like me right now. Um I hope they'll find it in their heart to forgive me. Um, we got totality uh and I was able to see it. We had a thunderstorm like you could see you could see the cumulus developing just over just over my roof of my house. And uh it was it was coming fast. Like within 10 minutes after everything was done, the uh this guy just opened up. It was like, okay, yeah, no more, no more viewing for you. Get your, uh, uh, get inside. Um, but I'm going to share real quick. I want to share. I managed to get a pho- I managed to get a picture of totality with my iPhone, which is rather shocking. And I don't know why I can't get All right. Well, something embarrassing on this screen. Cool. All right. Let's just do that. And, uh, yeah, I managed to get this sucker on my phone and this guy too. Not too bad. It was awesome. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen something so cool guys. I, I really don't. I, it is, uh, I, I see a lot of cool clouds every day. I see a lot of things that I find interesting, but man, this is, that was something. Uh, but again, I feel bad for the people who weren't able to see it, um, were some really cool shots of lightning uh, in the middle of the midday darkness, and uh, it was fascinating to see some of the cloudiness deteriorate um, and dissipate as it went. A couple of other things that Shay, you know, we talked. I talked to Shay earlier, and we were uh, chatting about, um, in fact, I might uh, take my screen again here real quick, uh, a couple of things we were talking about. He noticed some interesting things on some of the uh, wind sensors at the onset of totality, there's there's your totality. I don't know uh, yeah, you can see my uh, mouse pointer. Look at that uptick. Look at that look at that uptick in the wind. I'll switch to this. And you see this little kick up around two, three o'clock right here. And you see the wind direction turn southeast on Sullivan's Island. It was very fascinating. Here's the Isle of Palms Pier. Winds <clears throat> winds are coming out of the east and then they turn southeast. Very, wonder, very interesting.
4: I wonder, Jared, if that had anything to do with the temperature difference. I mean, is the temperature you know, rapidly fell and then, like, it's almost like a mini sea breeze, you know, mesoscale kind of induced thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And 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 it was kind of, and it was kind of a shame that uh, we had all those thunderstorms in the area because Charleston was doing, uh, they were doing special launches um, from the Weather Service office there. So they had so their Up station did uh, a launch before, during, and after totality. But unfortunately, a lot of those launches came up kind of short because they were essentially launching into thunderstorms at that point. Um, so that was kind of a shame. We really couldn't get an uncontaminated look at the difference, uh, in temperature, but I will say anecdotally that it did feel cooler. Um, I certainly agree that, you know, definitely the temperature difference had something to do with it. It might've, uh, it, you know, might've kicked on a little mesoscale sea breeze, might've kicked on, you know, maybe not a nocturnal jet. I don't think it would have decoupled that fast, but it was certainly very fascinating. Um, to see uh, to see all these differences in the sensors and and uh, one final thought um, bug spray I wish I had, had bug spray once totality hit boom I was mosquito food and it was not pretty it was like oh look that looks so great that that that, that that's awesome and so I kept uh, my wife and I kept uh, just uh, hitting each other trying to get the mosquitoes off and it's like okay all right it's time to go in next time 2024 we're doing off but I'm definitely chasing it in 2024 there's no doubt about it Scotty
0: Yeah. Thank you, Jared. Um, Eric, I guess you were the furthest here on the panelists away from the path of totality, but you guys are still above 90% uh, coverage there in the Memphis area.
2: Yeah, we got uh, 93% here, um, and it was a very fascinating 93%. It was uh, it was pretty amazing. I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to get out to a totality area uh, work called, and so I had to stay. But uh, I was able to get to the rooftop three or four times and get up there and uh, get a good look at it um, and really had a good event here for most of the area. We had... Um, this was uh, again very hot humid air mass on Monday. We got a couple of isolated thunderstorms uh that popped up right in the Memphis area and unfortunately, there were some who were pretty much blocked for the whole for the whole event or at least a good part of it um especially during the totality time and that was again kind of a bummer um for those that didn't get to get to see it because uh I was kind of out west of the big clouds it floated in and out of uh some some uh Little cumulus and stuff, but uh, overall, I had a pretty good view of it. I want to share a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, the first one here is a shot that I took uh, again from my phone. This was at totality and not real, real clear, but. Um, you know, they, they said, don't look at this thing without your glasses on. And I, I heated that very closely until we got this nice little cloud cover that came right in front of it. And I noticed that even without my glasses on, uh, I could look directly at it. And you probably wouldn't know that there was anything behind that cloud unless it was really, really bright. And in this case, uh, it was a 7% crescent uh, crescent sun. Um, it got very dim outside, very noticeably dim Um, and that's one shot that I got, uh, the others that I tried to get through the solar filter on the back of my lens of the camera didn't come out nearly as good, but I thought that was a pretty cool shot. Uh, this is another thing I found, found very interesting. Y'all check out this loop as it goes through. You see the cumulus field across the southeastern U S you see the eclipse come through It dims. And when it comes back, the cumulus field is just about gone. I thought that was very fascinating. Uh, really only four or five degrees of cooling in there, but it was enough to wipe out pretty much all of the cumulus except for the larger tops, the ones that you can see right there around the Memphis area in the middle, you can see where those storms popped up right around here. Um, but, uh, outside of those, it took another, um, it was probably four o'clock in the afternoon before that cumulus field kind of filled back in across the Southeast U S. So I thought that was another real fascinating, uh, Uh, result of that Uh, this is a picture that came out of nashville um, from one of my interns here at memphisweather.net took the trip from mississippi state up to nashville this was that totality in nashville uh i think james it was that was mentioning the kind of the sun sunset or sunrise all around the yellowish color it's exactly what they had you see all the city lights are on there in nashville beautiful beautiful shot so uh anyway it was uh it was quite the event certainly glad that i got to experience it and stayed outside of the uh the thunderstorms that were around here and um like jared i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna have to go ahead and put in my vacation for april 8th of 2024 (laughs) i gotta go see this for real
0: and one good thing about that, Eric, is uh, totality really doesn't pass far from you in 2024.
2: No, actually, we're a little bit closer. We're at 97% um, in 2024. It's going to go right over Little Rock will be about our closest point. So, you know, it's a three-hour drive over I-40 to get over there and uh, should, be, should be not bad at all. So look forward to it.
0: Yeah, and Eric, you were talking about even with that satellite imagery, and I'll bring Ricky in. Uh, we were talking about this before the show started. Uh, his location, my location, kind of around the mountains. Uh, we always get cloud development there in the afternoons. But it did, uh, it was really neat to see visually. You know, you go throughout the day, it started off clear, and then you start to see the cumulus develop around 12, 1 o'clock. And, you know, as it was approaching 1.30, 1.40, 1.45, and these clouds around, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this this could end up uh, not being so well. But around 2 o'clock, once uh, the sun had, had really started covering, uh, being covered up by the moon. Uh, you started to see those cumulus uh, dissipate and around uh, totality. I mean, there was hardly any clouds in the sky. Uh, so that was really interesting to see. I know where I was at. Uh, we, I had a little thermometer with us. Uh, we got up to 86 degrees, and as totality was happening, we dropped down to 78. So that was a, a nice little spread there and the temperature, in a, you know, maybe an hour later, it was probably right back up to 85, uh, 86 degrees. So it was uh, pretty cool to see uh, the drop in temperature and, and the decrease in cloud cover.
1: And uh, Scotty, uh, if you can go ahead and pop my screen up for just a second, I want to show exactly yeah. what Eric was describing from satellite from a ground view. So if you were following us on uh, Facebook, uh, here is here I am in Charlotte. You can see the clouds behind me, right? So this is like one let Let's fast forward an hour, the clips in progress not a cloud in the sky.
0: It was amazing. And, and, and James, you were talking about it and that's something that amazed me was, you know, what the one to 2% of sunshine, how much light we really got uh, from that. Uh, It was amazing. I don't know if anybody else caught it. Did you guys see the uh, crescent shaped shadows uh, throughout the area where you guys were?
2: I didn't see any,
4: yeah. I didn't look for them. Um, I didn't have any trees nearby, but we did see pictures from our station and then everywhere else. Uh, pretty cool stuff.
2: I uh, I stole a, a joke from uh, from somebody else. I, I won't give credit, I guess. But uh, anyway, it said, don't use your colander to view the eclipse because you might strain your eyes. <laughs> and, and actually, the colander oh. came in really handy because <laughs> the colander really did show... Um, all of the little crescents um, coming through the holes onto the ground. So it was really actually, you really needed to have your colander handy. It it, it didn't strain mice a bit.
0: I am uh, looking through my Facebook page here. Let me pop this up. And I will show you guys. I did happen to get a uh, picture of the crescent shaped shadows.
1: When you're this. doing that, Scotty, can you unpresent me? I'm still. Oh. Staring at the YouTube audience. Hey, guys. Yes,
0: I will do that right now. Thank you. As you can tell, I'm not used to doing this. This is all Shay <laughs> stuff. So just bear with me for just a moment. and
1: uh, I can do this, uh, Scotty, while you're doing that. If anybody missed the eclipse or wants to watch it again, head on over to carolinawithergroup.com because we have the replay for you. And I've got it right at the point where it's coming into the Carolinas. So if you want to watch the point where it goes over the Smokies uh, up to uh, Charleston, it's queued up and ready to go just for
0: you awesome can you guys can you guys see my photo now yes all right and you can see the crescent shaped shadows i thought that was really neat now uh, one other thing that i noticed and we'll, we'll get onto the tropics and i wanted to get you, uh, your opinion especially james you were close enough and uh, ricky and uh jared i wanted to get your opinion as well um was the the changes in the animals i noticed uh Once we started getting darker, uh, the crickets started coming out. Uh, We actually had this goose that was uh, in the state park. He was kind of, I want to say he was tame, but he was used to people and was kind of hanging around. And I noticed as it kept getting darker and darker until we got totally dark, he kind of floated off to uh, wherever his home is. And then when the sun came back out, you saw him come back across the lake. So um, it was really cool to see how nature really responded to that as well.
3: I was at the
2: top uh, of a parking deck. I didn't, I didn't have anything, Eric. Oh, I saw a, um, a video of the, the zoo in Nashville and the flamingos, the flamingos didn't know what to do. They got confused and they started kind of huddling together. And, uh, it was, it was like, they were sensing something was, maybe they thought it was bedtime or, or feeding time or something like that, but, uh, they definitely reacted. Main thing I noticed was the crickets and cicadas. I, I think C- I was
4: so caught up in the moment. I didn't really pay attention to the birds and animals and stuff, but, uh, my co-anchor pointed them out. She's like, you can hear the crickets. I'm like, Oh yeah, you
3: can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the- crickets, cicadas, um, mosquitoes. Um, uh, we were back with their dogs. The uh, my dachshund barked at it, which is what, you know, I mean, that's what dachshunds do. And, uh, the beagle was like, Oh, it's feeding time. So it was in a pretty uneventful, but still very cool.
0: Very cool. Well, we'll, uh, kind of transition off that. I uh, hope he's able to enjoy it, uh, wherever you was. And like James said, please, uh, visit our website, you can kind of uh, recap everything through there and kind of get that perspective. I'm going to toss it to Ricky uh, now as we uh, transition into the tropics. I know, Ricky, uh, this is kind of like one of your things you love, talking about the tropics. And it looks like Harvey has uh, regenerated in the Gulf and could cause some issues in the the Texas area.
4: Yeah, the ghost of Harvey coming back for its uh, revenge or maybe. The the storm really – Kind of shocked as you know it dissipated there as it went into the uh caribbean and i wasn't paying much attention to it to be honest with you and i was like oh remnants of harvey goodbye harvey and uh then popped back up here the past couple of days so let me share a screen with you and we'll show you a few things of what harvey is doing now uh an interesting little storm here not a whole lot of thunderstorm activity associated with it you see some of the higher cloud tops there as the sun sets we'll switch it to the infrared version Uh, Once again, you can see some of those tall thunderstorms, mainly on the south and east side of the center, and also displaced away from the center of the storm, telling you that it's not the best organized system in the world, hence why it's just a tropical depression right now. Uh, But even dependent of what strength it gets as it gets closer to the Texas coast, which is where we do expect this system to move to, uh, according to the National Hurricane Center's forecast for Harvey heading towards the Florida coastline as you go into the Friday night, Saturday timeframe, uh, I think the main issue with this is going to be that heavy rainfall. And let's show you a few different things here. We'll talk about the intensity first because there's a large area shear north of the center. Let me show you where the center is right now. We'll uh, put the track on. So there's the center. If you can see a little L right there, that's the center of Tropical Depression Harvey. And the system mm-hmm. is expected to track off towards the north and west as we go over the next couple of days. You see the shear up to the northeast side of it, but really what you're seeing is just those cloud tops being blown off as a result of that. Uh, and the system is probably going to stay in an area of relatively weak shear, well, about 10 to 15 knots. And it's also going to move over an area where there's a decent amount of warm water. Look at the warm bathtub-like waters of the western Gulf of Mexico, uh, greater than 31 degrees Celsius in a lot of this area. And you look at the ocean heat content, and there's a nice area of above normal ocean heat content right in the path of where uh, the system is expected to go. So as Harvey tracks off to the north and west, it's going to hit that. And that could mean some pretty strong strengthening. Here is the, uh, there's the spaghetti plots first. Almost all the models are locked on, taking it off to the north and west. And it makes sense when you look at the global models and the kind of the positioning of the highs and lows and stuff like that. When you look at the intensity modeling, most of it, most of them get it up to a strong tropical storm weak category one hurricane center is still expecting it to be a category one at landfall but guys here's the interesting thing with this system let's uh play the gfs here and let me go into mslp and precip mode and we'll just loop this over time So there we go into friday afternoon and harvey's approaching the southern texas coastline likely it's a strong tropical storm weak hurricane 979 millibars uh, that converts over to roughly, oh, what is that? A, a very weak category one hurricane, um, 974, 973. And then as the system kind of moves inland, it gets blocked by two areas of high pressure. Let's switch over to the upper dynamics here and we'll show you the 500 millibar height pattern. And you've got an area, we'll see if this drawing thing works here. We've got an area of high pressure over the western United States and the ridge associated with that. And then over Florida here, we've got another area of high pressure. And watch what happens as we continue to go out in time with this. Basically, those two systems act as steering flow for Harvey and very minimal steering flow at that. So Harvey kind of gets stuck there for a couple of days, and then eventually some of the energy associated with it gets transported into the southeast, uh resulting in some rainfall for the Alabama, probably Georgia, South Carolina area, but that model is a little bit too far out to be trusted. But the thing about this is, I mean, you could be dealing with 10, 15, 20 inches of rain across the Texas coastline. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, oh, what was the A storm? Allison, was that it? Do you guys remember? I think it was Allison back in, uh, was it 2002? Yeah, I believe so. It's, it's been a while, but there was that storm that came into Texas area, and then got blocked by a couple areas of high pressure, and basically just sat there and rained and rained, and rained and rained and rained and rained and rained until it almost rained itself out. And with the Gulf of Mexico there and that nice moist flow off the Gulf, it's uh, going to have an easy time bringing some moisture. But I want to show you this too. Um, this is the Nam Three. Yeah, this is why you don't use the Nam Three for tropical forecasting. That's a Cat Five hurricane. It's trying to point out there going into the Texas coastline uh, Friday. I doubt that happens. You could have maybe a, a rapid intensification of systems, not out of question. But I seriously doubt it becomes a cat Five. Uh, and so this tweet by Caleb earlier was interesting. Basically, they made some changes to the NAM-3 recently trying to make it better for coastline visibility, ceiling, and visibility forecasts for like, aviation. Uh, and as a result of that, they've made it horrible for the deepening of tropical cyclones. So, keep that in mind next time you want to share a Name 3 graphic or better yet, an HRR graphic uh, with a tropical cyclone.
0: Yeah, and Ricky, um, it looks like uh, the National Weather Service or the National Hurricane Center has already started uh, issuing advisories. I think there's one, a hurricane watch uh, for a um, big, uh, big portion of, of the Texas coast. And also, uh, one thing, uh, the storm surge graphics. I think uh, we've got storm surge. Uh, uh, watches and advisories as well up for that area.
4: Yeah, hurricane watches up for a decent part of the uh, coastline there of Texas. I think it's been three thousand days too, if I remember correctly, from a tweet I saw earlier today. Yeah, That's correct. Since uh, hurricane watches was issued, I think it was Ike was the last one uh, when a watch came out. So, a little tidbit there. But the hurricane watches up for the Florida coastline or Texas coastline, excuse me. And there's tropical storm watches um, on either side of that. Look at that cone of uncertainty, though when it's an incomplete circle, day three, four, and five. That's just uh, ironic stuff there. Storm surge watch that you're talking about, Scotty. Um, let's go to the public advisory here because I think this does a better job talking about storm surge than the, the watches and warnings do at this time. So Port Mansfield, the high island, potentially four to six feet above ground level at the peak of the storm if it hits a high tide, which with tropical forecasting, it's always a very tricky thing to try and predict the amount of storm surge. Uh, And and it's highly dependent on several things, as you know, Jared, along the coastline there of South Carolina. You know, the storm happens to come in at low tide versus high tide or comes in at one of those full moons versus, you know, moon cycle that's a new moon. You can have a significant difference in your tidal inundation.
3: Oh, we were so lucky that Matthew came ashore at low tide and got made its closest approach. It came ashore in McClellanville, but oh man, did we dodge a bullet there! That would have been Hugo level surge had it come ashore at high tide. Mm-hmm.
4: Here's the uh, WPC rainfall guidance, guys. Uh, over ten inches across a wide path from Tropical Depression Harvey. That's the interesting thing. When's the last time you guys can remember a system that was a tropical storm? dissipating and then being renamed as a tropical depression it's been a uh, while i bet it has yeah i know ivan did it back in 04 but i can't remember if there were any storms before that
2: well we've seen uh not in the same basin but we've seen some that have been a storm in the caribbean or in the gulf and then cross mexico and mm-hmm. become a new name in the pacific that's, that's uh that's happened but yeah this is pretty unusual
0: and but, there's one thing uh as we've all seen, you know, us, us weather uh, guys, um, is is the potential for flooding, especially in Houston, Texas. You know, Houston's always, it uh, seems like ground zero for flooding. And, again, 10, 15 inches of rain is going to do some some serious trouble down in that area as well. I was going to, I see Ricky's got a weather bill up. I, I've seen a tweet this afternoon, and I wanted to share that with you, uh, kind of talking about the flooding along the Texas coast. So let me pull that up while Ricky talks about uh uh these models
4: right here i all i did i pulled up the uh, european model here which has a slightly different forecast than the gfs model does uh on its initial path it kind of takes harvey even further south into texas uh, coastline there still lingers it around for a few days in fact here we go on a monday tuesday takes it back off the coast and restrengthens it into another category one hurricane and then makes a second landfall on the coast there of Louisiana, which would result in some pretty significant flooding uh, and tidal flooding inundation potentially for the Louisiana coastline, which they don't need because you guys have probably seen the stories out of New Orleans talking about the pumps and how the pumps are all damaged down there and, and, that, and operational. So that could be a big issue if the system decides to track this way. And let's uh, take a wider zoom of this because the European model, this is the 12Z run of the Euro, uh, takes it much further west than GFS did which is interesting when we talk about severe weather potential in South Carolina and North Carolina and along the East Coast, because we always talk about that right front quadrant, the potential for strong s- storms and potential tornadoes in that area where there's a little bit more spin uh, across the northeast quadrant of these systems. But it's an interesting track. And,
0: and talking about that flooding threat, this from Brian Wood uh, on Twitter. This is kind of showing percentages of uh, people who have flood insurance along the coast of Texas. As you can see, right there along the coast, some fairly good numbers, 48%, 22%, 26%. But as you go inland, the next row of counties, you know, we're looking at 1.51%, 3.55%, 5.40%, you know, uh, over here 3%. So as this transitions into the late weekend into early next week, this could be a story as well as the flooding and just how many people uh, who are not prepared for it uh, in the Texas area. So we could hear, uh, you know, I don't want to say Hurricane Matthew numbers, but again, you know, uh, we could see some, uh, some similarities between what happened in eastern North Carolina uh, last year uh, to what's going on along the, the Texas coast this week.
4: You're not wrong. I mean, it certainly is a troubling stat, but think about it. I mean, How many people take the flood risk seriously away from storm surge? Um, If you don't live right next to a river, when's the last time you probably thought about flooding in your neighborhood? So, I mean, I totally see why those numbers are so low. I don't have flood insurance. We don't have flood insurance. I live in the city of Hampton, and I live a couple miles inland from the uh, the coast. I mean, it's just we're not technically in a very high-risk flood zone, but if we got a Cat 2, Cat 3 hurricane, we would be.
2: Uh, besides the uh, potential for a double landfall with this which is just kind of crazy to think about i think uh, i think water is going to be the the story that we're hearing most about a week from now um you know those places in south texas uh, that's you know those are places where a couple of inches of rain is going to cause just all kinds of problems and if this thing sits down there like it's supposed to um that's going to be that's going to be devastating for some areas and if it goes a little bit farther to the north um you know the houston area can't can't deal with 10, 15, or more. I mean, the, the, some of the model numbers coming out are, are just crazy for how much rain. And if you take whatever the, the 36 inches max that's predicted by the uh, earlier Euro model and, and cut it in half, say it's twice as wrong, uh, you know, 18 inches is just way more than they can take. So
4: let's, let's, uh, let me show you a few different maps that I pulled up here. This is the, and it's very hard to see. Let's see if I can't turn on, a, uh, turn on the states. There we go there's texas if you can see it right where my mouse is that's the texas coastline there this is the rainfall over the past 30 days across texas and parts of houston have seen over 10 inches of rain in those past 30 days so compile that on top of potential rain you could get and they're not in a drought at all here's the drought monitor across the southeast united states um, or south central united states you notice texas parts of it in an abnormally dry condition level but most of the state is uh Doing pretty well in terms of rainfall this year. So, not like they
2: won't need the rain. I bet you to say that map looks a lot different here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I bet it's gone. <laughs> oh.
0: And um, let's kind of shift a little bit off of this right quick. And I want to toss it to Jared because, Jared, uh, there's also another uh, tropical system, Invest. I don't even know the number of
4: What is it? 91, 92, oh, I think.
3: God. Uh, I, uh, I, yeah, I think it went away, see?
4: though. I mean,
3: oh, the, the yeah, area
4: is still there, but I think the invest went away,
3: Jared. Yeah, I think it did. I haven't heard much on it. I, I mean, I'm looking, you know, I, I've got the GFS up on a I'm using a It's great, by the way, um, <laughs> but it's great when it works. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it. run to run, I'm looking at 18Z right now and Let's let's really geek out. Here we go. All right. There it is. There's a whips and all of its Java lorry. So here's a little four panel here. This is 18Z run. This is uh, Overnight Tuesday. Yeah, a little pressure wants to spin up here and help strengthen northeast flow, but it looks like it's going to stay, keep a lot of this rain offshore. Now, this is... Uh, children, hide hide your eyes. I mean, uh, this really deepens that escalated quickly. Um, (laughs) it's really deepened very quickly as it gets uh, up there. I think 150 hours out, maybe a little voodoo land there, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, what it's going to do, it's going to keep some showers along the coast. And the other nice thing is that, uh, it's going to help, uh, suck in a little bit of drier air, a little bit of cooler air. So, um, usually these coastal things, I mean, the the major concern I would have is, uh, uh, getting a little concerned about recurrence. You know, it's still that time of year where people will be out on the beaches. Um, but you know, I mean, God, give me give me eighty two, give me eighty one for highs. You know, I'll take a little. Uh, I'll take a little wedge. Uh, it, I'll take a little wedge at the end of August. Absolutely, just don't give it to me in. uh yeah, <laughs> don't don't give it to me in December. But give it to me now, please.
0: We have a viewer question from Craig CC. He said, "Do you see the potential for?" Um, some high-end rapid intensification as Harvey comes ashore. Um, Ricky, I know you kind of uh, noted that a little bit, that we could see some intensification. But um, how rapid do you guys think it will be as it interacts with those warm waters?
4: It would not shock me if this thing goes – I mean, it's a tropical depression now with winds, I want to say 30 miles per hour, maybe 35. Let's see what it is. Uh, Last update, which came out at 8 o'clock had winds maximum sustained at 35 miles per hour. So, I mean, it's not that far away from tropical storm strength. Um, the SHIPS model, which is great for determining the potential for rapid intensification, showed the potential of that earlier. Let me just see if I can't pull up the, the tweet here. There's my account information in case you're interested in my Twitter account information. Um, let's see, there we go, there I am. Down there, it is. This is uh, from our buddy Michael Lowry. This is the ship's probability of rapid intensification uh, of a certain amount of knots in a time period. So you look at the ship's probs for 65 knots within 72 hours, and 62 percent probability of that, and that's 10 point time point 10.3 times the normal value of what that is. So that's an interesting number when you look at the rapid intensification potential i wouldn't be shocked if this thing becomes at least a cat one hurricane as it approaches the texas coastline it's going to struggle for a while but when it hits that little loop current that's out there little eddy of the loop current it's in that weak shear environment uh it's got good you know flow in the upper levels from those area high pressure it's gonna be an interesting little storm to watch it'll be great to watch it on go 16. I don't think I ever presented my screen. Let me try to present that number to you. Let me show you what I was um, trying to talk about. But there's the bottom there with highlighted stuff is the ship's probability of rapid intensification um, for 65 knots within a 72-hour period. A 62% probability of that, and that's uh, 10.3 times the normal sample mean of that. So interesting numbers.
0: So, yeah, it definitely could be. And as uh, we are reaching um, the end of August... Uh, We are really quickly becoming into the peak of tropical season. Uh, Let's kind of talk about why that is and then maybe what we can expect over the next couple of weeks as uh, we wrap up tonight.
4: Yeah, You know, August, September, typically the highest peaks of hurricane season. September 10th is the climatological peak. And it really is just we get into a more favorable pattern as we get into the months of September. You get warmer waters across the Uh, MDR region where you typically get Storms to start going we get a lot more potential Cape Verde storms as we go into That time period as well so It'll be interesting to see as we go into The next couple of weeks what happens As we go I see Michael's tweet pulled up there Talking about the Madden-Julian oscillation Sometimes you get these Little What's the word I'm looking for little pulses Almost to move across The Atlantic basin and you can get Some uh, better potential for Tropical cyclones to spin up
0: It is. So uh, definitely want to watch that as we go into uh, the next couple of weeks, especially on the coastal uh, areas of North and South Carolina, as well as the Southeast and the Gulf Coast. So uh, we'll have to see what Harvey does. Stay tuned to our social media accounts. Uh, As you guys know, Shay uh, will update us throughout the uh, duration of the storm. Uh, Tropics is his thing, and he'll uh, be definitely sending out some updates. So uh, continue to watch that. But uh, we will kind of talk to you about – we were supposed to have uh, Reynolds Wolf and Mike uh, Famoli on with us from the Weather Channel. The reason we're talking about Harvey tonight is because they've been uh, they've been sent to Texas to set up to talk about Harvey for the Weather Channel this weekend. That's why we kind of have thrown uh, the eclipse and the Tropic Talk uh, tonight. So we hope to have uh, Reynolds and Mike on with us here in the next uh, month or so as we kind of uh, shuffle around it and get our uh, schedule out. So. Uh, That is why, uh, if you were anticipating Reynolds and Mike tonight, that is uh, why uh, they're not on here. They are en route to uh, Texas to cover uh, whatever Harvey does bring uh, to that area. So as that, uh, we are closing in on the 9 o'clock hour. I do want to do a tweet of the week. Uh, I kind of let our uh, panelists uh, go around and uh, talk about what they found interesting on Twitter tonight. Eric, have you got yours lined up? You ready? I think he is.
2: okay first i have to (laughs) unmute then i can screen share sorry about that
0: uh
2: i'm going to stay on the uh on the tropics with my tweet of the week this week and go across the globe uh to uh typhoon hato um which was a storm that uh went basically just south of hong kong uh last night and i'm sharing with you a tweet by jim eds uh at extreme storms he runs extremestorms.com he is a uh high, uh, A uh, tropical uh, tropical chaser, Um, and this is from um, from last night. It's a screenshot of uh, I guess FlightAware probably. Um, Let's see if I can make that make a little bit bigger. So there is a uh, Amsterdam to Hong Kong flight that's attempting to land, and I looked at the wind speed uh, at the time that this was passing. This was just before about nine o'clock Central Time last night. So uh, morning, this morning over there, uh, and the. winds were at gusting to 78 knots, uh, at that point. So I have no idea if that guy made it on the ground. Um, I guess we would have heard about it if he made it in a, uh, an unsafe fashion, <laughs> but, uh, that's just crazy, uh, to watch that storm. Uh, also it, it went from a tropical storm to minimal typhoon category one, um, during the day yesterday. And, uh, Working for FedEx, I know that we had to uh, change some operations around a little bit over there because we were not going to do what that uh, KLM flight was doing. We were avoiding the storm. So anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting to see uh, some flight operations around Typhoon Hato on the western Pacific.
4: That is scary. (laughs) That's a scary-looking flight. There's got to be
2: some YouTube video out there.
4: (laughs) All right. Well, my Twitter of the week, (laughs) we (laughs) have (laughs) <laughs> comes from uh weather service talking about things. All right. Go ahead, Ricky. I'm sorry. Uh, I said my tweet of the week comes from the Weather Service and Corpus Crazy talking about forecast cones. I thought it was a neat little graphic that kind of summed everything up and showed it very well and what the cone's supposed to mean, what the cone isn't, and uh, stuff like that. Nice little infographic to download and share
3: again later.
0: All right, let's go to uh Jared.
3: Jared, do you have a tweet okay. of the week? I do, I do. Let me go get that out for you. And we'll just, uh, there we go. This comes from Reggie Fairchild over on Dewey's Island. Look at that shadow from that anvil. Just a nice little thunderstorm, nothing severe about it. Just, uh, you know, 40 miles off distance. And that is a really, really, really cool shadow that it's casting. So, um, a a, a lot of eclipse photos, but it's nice to change it back up a little bit for sure. So,
0: looks good. All right, James Briarton, do you have a tweet of the week?
1: Yes, I will return us to the conversation of the eclipse. And if you can go ahead and pin pin up my second feed there. Thank you, Scotty. This is from Dwayne Scott, a photojournalist with NBC News. Uh, We talked earlier about those thunderstorms that rolled through the Charleston area. So, of course, uh, this is a view there of that uh, Charleston Harbor. uh, And take a look at that lightning there, that lightning bolt striking off in the distance just as the eclipse was getting underway.
0: We'll say James just stole my tweet of the week, so I'm going to have to. Oh, did I? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Hold on, I've got one. Does it I help
1: that I know Dwayne? Uh,
0: yeah, that we'll, we'll let that pass. I've got a backup. Okay. Alright, here's uh, my backup. Uh, this is from Kyle Roberts, a meteorologist in, in the Texas area. Uh, kind of going back to the Harvey theme. Uh, I think this is a great way to communicate any threats. Uh, albeit uh, tropical or winter weather or severe weather, but uh, these are uh, out on the DOT signs in Texas. Uh, right now, Hurricane Watch from Beaumont to Brownsville, and the next one, is. I know it's hard to see, but it says travel to the Texas coast is discouraged. So again, uh, that's a great way, I think, to uh, communicate the threats, not uh, everyone traveling through the area may know that the hurricane's going on, so another uh, great way to communicate those threats. And that from Kyle Roberts. So I guess, guys, that's it for Tweet of the Week, and that's it for the Carolina Weather Group. I do want to remind you, next week we are talking about 30% of confusion. Well, no, not really. 30% uh, precipitation probability. Have you ever watched Ricky forecast or any of us, and we say, hey, it's a 30% chance of rain, and it really does nothing. So uh, that is uh, the kind of the topic uh, next week, kind of talking about what those uh, percentages really mean. And uh, Brad Panovich, chief meteorologist from uh, NBC Charlotte, as well as Troy Kimmel, uh, professor at the University of Texas, will be joining us uh, to talk about those. And I'm sure Brad will still be geeking out about uh, the eclipse uh, last week as well. Then after that, we have a few student shows as a uh, school starting uh, back for uh, many folks here in the country. We're going to have two uh, education shows back-to-back from uh, – students who are currently in college or those who have just graduated talking about meteorology. So as always we join you to uh, to watch us and as well follow us on social media. If there's ever a show or a topic you want us to talk about, it's not hard to get a hold of it. Just send us a tweet or a message through Facebook and uh, we'll see what we can do to get those uh, shows of interest to you on uh, the docket. So again have a great week. Enjoy uh, the weather, the cooler weather, and if uh, you have any friends or family along the Texas coast, uh, our thoughts are with them as Harvey approaches with some heavy rain. So you guys have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Wednesday night on the
1: Carolina Weather Group.